guys, this world is messed up. I know you guys have lost something in the process. He's saying, I know you lost something in the process. He, here's the problem. When you go through a loss, when you go through hurting times, we cry. And I always say, when there's tears in your eyes, you can never see clearly. So I want you to pay attention, whoever this is for. And I don't know who's for, whoever's for. When, when you get hit, either physically or emotionally, or spiritually, your immediate reaction will be to be disturbed. And in your disturbance, I want you to understand that whatever it is, it'd be health reasons, it could be something physical, it could be your child, and it happens when you least expect it. It could be a sick child. It could be, it could be something at work. It could be a loss of a job. It could be a difficulty in marriage. It could be a financial situation. When something hits you, the immediate reaction is to be disturbed. Th think about it. You're driving in your car, right? And all of a sudden you crash. It doesn't matter how, how much you got it together. The immediate reaction is, is you get disturbed. And here's the problem. In disturbance, which is what we will have continually in this world, because Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. In the disturbance, here's what's the problem, what I'm fearing. What I'm fearing is how you react to the disturbance. And I need you to understand that the Bible says, and James says to them, or do you think, in verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, he says, or do you think Scripture says without a reason that he jealously longs oh man it's good he longs is good is powerful there's hope he longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us he longs for the spirit i sent my son um when my son josue went on vacation right when he went on his honeymoon he went on his honeymoon and he's a young man and gets married and he goes off right and when he's off and he goes off on his honeymoon he goes off and i give him different budgets right for his for his for his trip and and i'm telling him about how to work it and he's getting ready and he's preparing to be that man he needs to be and he puts everything in an envelope and then there's this little fund that i gave him i gave him an envelope and i said now this is your emergency fund child do not touch this i said do not touch it unless it's an emergency do not touch it because and listen to what i said i said because this is what i long to pull you out of trouble when something goes wrong. So as a father, I stayed home and he went on the trip. And when he went on the trip, he went and he started, he, he did, he did everything. He took his, you know, and when you're recently married, you're impressing your wife. So he's impressing her, right? And he's taking her everywhere. Now you got to understand he's never traveled by himself in a foreign country with being responsible for a female that's with him that is now his wife. So all the pressure's on him and I'm praying about him and I'm covering him. Now watch this, guys. And I'm praying and I'm covering him. And as I prayed and as I covered him in prayer, I got to be honest with you, my hope was in God, but I also physically, humanly understood that there was this thing that I asked him to jealously put aside, which is this emergency fund if something went wrong. If your ATM doesn't work, if it doesn't work, because I travel a lot in the past, not now, but in the past, I travel a lot all over the world. And when you travel, you notice that some places don't have credit cards, some places have a limit. So I'm hoping for him on that, right? And on my hope for him on that, here's what I had. My hope was that when he needed it, watch, when he needed it the most, when something went wrong, Josue had that backup there to pull him out of trouble. And as a father, it gave me peace. Pastor, I don't get it. When the Bible says in James 4, 5, 
Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says that once you come to Jesus Christ and you give your life, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you forever. What is that, Pastor? It's that envelope, that extra reserve. It's that little fund that's there for when you get in trouble. It's that little money there for when you get into trouble. Pastor, what are you saying? Your Father, who is in heaven, gave you a reserve for tough moments. He gave you this envelope, and it's inside of you, and it's the Spirit of God. It's a piece of Him inside of you, and He gave it to you, and He longs because in a troubled world, when you have nothing more, Oh, parents in here understand me better than anybody. I'm not, I'm not underestimating the youth, but the parents in here, you understand me better than anybody. When your child, when you can't help your child, when you can't intervene completely, what you gave them is your best tool to survive. What you deposited in them. Our Father who art in heaven deposited in us the presence of his Holy Spirit because in the moment of our trial and tribulation, in the moment that we hurt, guys, listen, he is longing for you to tap into it. He wants you to pull out of that envelope. When you're crying, he wants you to pull it out. When you're worried about your son, he wants you to pull it out. When you're worrying about your marriage, when you're worrying about that next project you're trying to do, when you're worrying about he wants you to tap into that envelope. He wants you to go there and grab it and pull it out. He literally wants you to grab it and pull it out. He wants you to do that. Look, look at this verse. Look at this verse. Now, let me teach for a while. Look at this verse. If, if, if you go with me to verse 8, James chapter 4, verse 8. Here it is. Look what he says. Look at it clearer than ever. Look what he says. James says, come near to God and he will what? Come what? Near to you. James 4.8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Now here's a question. To those that hear this verse, come near to God and he will come to you. You automatically will think in your mind, you will think, well, pastor, that's speaking to those that don't know Jesus Christ. It's speaking to those that are not believers. It's speaking to those that, that don't go to church. Right? Speaking of the aspora, he's speaking to the children. Happening. Most of you are sitting here thinking in your mind, well, Pastor, I'm already near God. I met him as my, as my Savior. Maybe I'm the only person messed up in this room, and you all got to pray for me? But there are moments that I got to be honest with you. I struggle. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe all you folks, you just, I, maybe I just, and, and I believe I do have much to learn from you. But, but I got to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll share something this morning. This morning, I go into my prayer room, and I go into my prayer room. I kneel. I kneel down, and, and, um, and 
And it's funny because somebody took a picture of my prayer room, and in my prayer room I have this big cross, right? And um, it's a cross made out of, out of wood that somebody built, one of our leaders from our next congregation built, and I have it in there. And somebody took a picture of it and posted it somewhere, I don't know where. And then I wrote a devotional somewhere online, and I, I, said, I said, when in trouble, pray. I said, and then the person overseas saw it and they they know how i teach so that is what they said the person overseas saw it and from a catholic background the person said pastor i can't believe that to pray you need a cross and my immediate reaction in my mind was um no dummy i don't need the cross to pray i just have a cross in my office i'm not praying to the cross you know but i just i just have it there you know it reminds me it's just like a picture i don't worship it i don't praise it i don't believe in worshiping idols but i know because of the strong catholic background we struggle a lot with idolatry so it's it's something you need to break off because god doesn't want you to pray to these things now i'm not going to go there where i'm going to go to and i want you guys to understand is the following when i'm in my room praying this morning before the cross and i'm kneeling guys i don't know well i know what it was i was struggling I know that sounds weak, and I know it's Sunday morning, and you're expecting more from me. I know you're expecting more from me. Maybe it's just me, but I was literally in my office, in my office, in the prayer room, laying down, and I'm laying down flat on the floor, and I, I'm, I'm speaking to God, and I know He hears me, but there was this subtle atmosphere where I, in my mind I was saying, God, how come I feel so off how come i'm not feeling that fire this morning i normally feel what is it god what is it now maybe that's just me maybe nobody here knows what i'm talking about maybe you all think i'm crazy maybe you haven't experienced it maybe you've never worshipped a song and not felt the song maybe you haven't gone through a season you don't feel god speaking to you maybe maybe you don't feel he's hearing you maybe but i was like that this morning and as i prayed and i was praying and i was saying god God, you know, what is it? And I was feeling it. it. It hit me. I heard God speak to me and says, I want you to understand this sermon. Come near to me and I will come near to you. I long for the spirit that dwells in you. He was saying, he, God was saying, Carlos, you need, you need to desire me and want me and tap into it. And I will show up in your life. You know, it's funny because when you're hungry, listen to this, when you're hungry, two or three days go by and you don't eat anything, your body automatically starts feeling that you want to eat, doesn't it? And what do you immediately do? You go and you quench your hunger, right? You eat. Same thing happens in your walk with God. Same thing. But then when you... When your body feels and your spirit feels the need to quench the presence of God, here's the funny thing. Physically, we'll do it, but spiritually, we won't. We won't. We won't feed on it. We won't, guys. We won't sit down with the Word. We won't sit down in prayer. Look at this. Here's, a, here's another great example of this. Here's another great example. When you, uh, um, last night, uh, we had uh, uh, Jensen and Mai's uh, food. We catered for it, and we brought a group of leaders that had been with us for a long, long time from Puerto Rico. We brought them in, and we all gathered, and we catered, and there was leftover food. And I don't know about it, but there's some foods, and it's just maybe me, but there's some foods that the next day, they taste a little bit better. Am I crazy on that? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? 
There's just some food that the next day they just taste a little bit. Now, there's some food I can't have leftovers of, but there's some food that there's just in Puerto Rico, there's arroz con gandules. The next day, those gandules, they just filter. He's being ministered there. It's just the next day thing. I don't know what it is. It's rice with the beans, and the beans just filter into the rice. And the next day, it's just, I'm getting hungry here right now. But it's just, it just you feel it a little more. So, so Sister Mai, Sister Mai and Jensen, they, they, they made this food. It's just, it's just radically crazy good. They just made this, this, this oriental rice, and they catered it, and we brought it. The next day, so here it is. I can't eat after 7 because it gives me a stomachache. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I get nightmares when I eat after 7. I don't know what it is. Maybe my mom put that in my head, and it's still there as a child, and I bear that for 40-something years. But, but I, it's after 7. It's 9 o'clock. We, we, we went out for a boat ride. We came in. I put my boat away. I come into the house, and when I come into the house, I'm heating up the rice, and I'm, I'm hungry, so I take out the rice, and I said, this takes better. But you know what? I'm going to be very modest. I said, I'm going to be very modest. I'm going, I'm going to eat lightly because it's after 7 o'clock, and I want to, you know. So it, it's 9 o'clock. So I grabbed one of those, you know those little platters where you put um, a, a coffee mug? All right? I grabbed one of those little platters. Why? Because small platter, small quantity, right? Unless you're Carlos Rodriguez and you're Puerto Rican. Then the thing changed. I went up to the refrigerator, and I scooped out one spoon, and the plate filled up. I grabbed the second spoon. I said, I could fit this in there. And I put that second spoon. I grabbed the third spoon and I stuck it in there. I said, I could fit that too in there. So now it's 9 o'clock and I'm warming up Chinese rice from the day before. All right? And I sat down. I ate it. And my wife says, let's watch the voice. So she puts on the voice and we sit down. We're watching it and I'm eating it. I'm like, man, this is good. Man, this is good. And we have it DVR'd, so she's fast-forwarding it. And then one, she moved, and she hates watching commercials. So the next one came on a commercial. I said, honey, watch this commercial just for a minute. She says, well, I'm going back for more food. <laughs> so I went, and I grabbed the same little platter, you know, and I, and I packed it up again, and I sat down, and I ate the second platter of food. Now, when I ate the second plate of food, I'm eating it, and as I'm eating it, I'm done with it. I'm like, man, this is good stuff. Now, my, at that point, my body is saying, no, do not have a third plate. Do not. Under any circumstance, do not eat it. It's 9.30 now. You shouldn't have three plates of food at 9.30 at night, especially Chinese rice. It's unhealthy. So I'm like, no, I'm not going to have it. So I went, up, I went back up and I ate a banana to eat healthy food after I ate that. So here it is. I ate my banana, and after I ate my banana, what did I do? What every good person does. I ate a yogurt right after because that's healthy food. Now, what happened immediately after that? After that, my stomach started twisting and turning. And at 10 o'clock, my body, I'm feeling, I feel, oh, no, I don't feel too good. And immediately I knew something was broken and not well inside of me. I went and I grabbed two little pills of Pepto-Bismol. And I drank the pills to be able to sleep. And I took these two pills. Now, Pastor, what does this have to do with the sermon? Isn't it ironic that when we do something that's wrong and it messes us up, we will find a way to remedy and fix what's wrong. But in our spirit, when something's wrong, we just let it lay there. So my stomach ache takes a priority over my spiritual ache my emotional ache. You will burden yourself emotionally, but you won't do it physically. And I want you to think about that for a second. And the Bible says, come near to God 
and he'll come near to you. Now, I'm not going to go there, but in verse 10, if you read it, it says, humble yourselves and God will exalt you. He says, guys, if you're needing me, come to me. Come. That's what Sunday morning's all about. Sunday morning is saying, God, I could work all week long, but Sunday I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. So here's principle number four. Principle number four, when something is broken, principle number four, when something is broken and you need to fix it, go to a higher power. When something is broken and you need to fix it, go to a higher power. You know, and this applies to everything. My, the, the ice maker, um, not the ice maker inside, the, the, the contraption outside that you push the, level, the lever in my house, it broke. And when it broke, um, I looked at it, and it's a sophisticated digital thing. And, and when I looked at it, I said, okay, I could fix this. And I went set out to fix it. And when I set out to fix it and I couldn't, the first thing I did was I went to a higher power. What higher power, Pastor? I went to YouTube. I'm telling you, you YouTube it, you can fix it. There's two things in this world you can fix it with physically almost anything. YouTube and duct tape. It just works on everything. So I got YouTube and I stood in front of my fridge and guys, literally, I ordered the piece, brought it in, installed it with under $68 and just the guy, the refrigerator guy coming in was going to be 75 So I got it fixed under $68. Come on, I deserve a round of applause for that for 68 bucks. Thank you very much. Thank you for bringing my ego up this morning. Wow, you took long. You're a tough crowd. So I fixed my ice maker thing, thingy and I put it in and I installed it. I, yes, I did. Before my wife says anything, yes, I did scratch the refrigerator just a little bit, but I still fixed it. And when I fixed everything, you know what? When you want to fix something, you will go to a book. People go to the psychologist. They go to a higher power. But what you need to understand is that when, it's in a, when you really want to get it fixed, when you really want to make it right, there is no higher power than our Lord. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate highest power that could fix anything. So no matter what's broken, the principle is, James is saying, guys, you're scattered and you're hurt, but if you want to make something work, if you want to make it successful, go to a higher power. You want to make it better in your finances, go to God. You want to make it better in your marriage, go to God. You want to make it better in your spiritual, there's aspirations for a new level. If there's aspirations for a new level in your spiritual walk, in your ministry in your life you have to go to god pastor yes i go to god no no tell me how urgently you go to god tell me how dedicated you are to searching for god tell me because when you want to lose weight you'll go to the gym every day when you have a stomach ache or you get an infection you'll drink pills for seven on the treatment when you want it real bad how hard do you go into it we're going to seven days of prayer now in two weeks and not this week next week we go into seven days of prayer and we're going to open up for seven days 24 hours our building will be open and we'll open up into small groups and there will be people praying in this church seven days for 24 hours and my question for you is how many of those will you participate in tell me how bad you want it and i'll tell you how many you should participate in it and i know what you're going to hit me with you're going to come with a modern doctrine well i believe in the doctrine of grace that's not a modern doctrine it's a doctrine from the moment Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. It's not a modern doctrine. You are under grace and he loves you and you need nothing to do to be saved except to give your heart to Jesus Christ. But if you have all that faith and have no works, if you make no effort and you don't exercise your faith, I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit inside of you will be saddened 
Why? Because he has no contact with God. You need to work it, guys. You need to come close to God, and he will come close to you. But if you're going to this new spiritual level, let me tell you something. New levels brings new devils. You hear me? New levels bring new devils. We're going this, this, this Friday, we're going into our leadership retreat, and we're going to be over at the Cove. And, and if, you're still in, if you're interested in being there and you didn't get an invite, invites were closed because it's only a space for 25 people. That's all we're bringing in in this round. But you could still see Sheldon to see if he'll get you in this one or maybe the next round. We're starting at 7 at night, and we'll finish at midnight. And one of the, one of the teachings I'm going to be teaching in the Conference of Leadership is new levels brings new devils. But, Pastor, what are you saying? When you tap in, when you tap in to the presence of the Holy Spirit in a big, big way within you, when you listen more to the Spirit of God than you do to your emotions or to your body, that's good. When you listen more to the Spirit of God than you do to your emotions or your body, when you do that, you got to understand that there's a specific ingredient you need. And, and, and the Bible, James writes number chapter 5, and he tells them that specific ingredient that they need. And I'm going to read it to you. He says to them specifically, this is what he says to them. He goes to them in verse um, 7, chapter 5, verse 7. James writes to them and says, okay, now you could, you could go to the Spirit to fix things. You could go to this higher power of God to fix your situations. But when you do that, he says, I want you to un- also understand that even when you tap into a new level spiritually, when you go in depth with the presence of God, when he pours on you in a way that it's overflowing his presence and it's touching your heart, when you're going to be equipped to that level, verse 7 says, be patient then. Be patient. Be what? Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmers wait. I love this. See how the farmers wait. He's saying when you're going to fix something and you're in the presence of God. We're getting fixed right now to open up in Charlotte, right? This new work. And we're, and as we're doing that, something else popped up and it's a possibility of Morganton or of Newton. And as we're praying over that and we're praying over these campuses, I need to fix myself and prepare myself for that. And as I prepare myself for that and I come closer to God and I dedicate more time to fasting and to prayer and to scripture and to go into church, as I prepare for that and I'm tapping into that, I also need to understand that at this new level of intensity with God, you can't, listen guys, this is good, you can't have this level of intensity with God unless you have this farmer attitude. You can't. You're going to mess up. Pastor, what's the farmer attitude? Look at it. Look at it. It says, brothers, it says, it says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmers wait for land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. When you tap into this presence of God, you need to be patient. When you're going to tap into the presence of God, you need to be patient. You need to learn to wait. Principle number five, last principle. When you're going to fix something, learn to be patient. Learn to wait. Have a farmer's type of attitude. Wait. The farmer, he he, listen, everybody, come on, you know this, you know this, everybody, he sows, then he, what, reaps, right, he plants, and then he has the fruit of what he planted for, but it's a process, 
It's a process. When the people of God are really in God, in God, you have to stop that attitude of, well, if it's in God, it's automatic. No, when it's in God, normally God's timing is different from our timing, like his return. Normally God's way of working is different from our way of working. God will tell you, when you're in my presence, when you're full of my spirit, you will learn to wait. You will learn to endure each season. He plants and he waits. If you look at that Bible verse, it says, first of all, he waits. You need to learn to wait. Then it says that he looks at the valuable crop. When you're in the spirit of God, listen, listen, this is good. You cannot desire what he's going to give you tomorrow when you're in the spirit. You understand this. You cannot desire what he's going to give you tomorrow until you value what you have today. Can I get an amen on that? You cannot value a better marriage tomorrow until you value the one you have today. You cannot value a better, you cannot value that tomorrow if you don't value this today. You need to be able to value the crops you have. And then you patiently wait for what? Pastor, but isn't that the same patiently waiting? You already said, wait, no, no. But one thing is to wait for the land to yield the crop. Another thing is to wait for autumn and spring rains. Why? Because seasons will come when you're in God. When you're in God, you know that there's that there's autumn and there's spring and there's summer there's seasons in life and you start looking at each season of life differently and you start waiting in the spirit of god you're not always you know it's not always summer so what you do is when autumn comes and you don't have the crop you know what you do you sit down and you enjoy the rain it's raining and i don't have what i want but you know what god what i'm living today will be a blessing for what i want tomorrow The rain of today will bring me the crop of tomorrow. So what you're living today may be a rainy season. I don't know if you're in autumn or spring. You may not be in that winter harvest and you may not be in the summer harvest. But what you're living today, and you just wish this season would be over. But when you're in the spirit, you actually say, thank you, Jesus, for this that I'm living. Because this... Porque esta leve tribulación momentánea, because this small tribulation, momentarily tribulation that I am living, this momentary affliction that I live is for his eternal weight of glory tomorrow. What I'm living today will only be God manifested tomorrow in my life. I know I'm in a season of rain, but even the rain has a purpose because without the rain, there would be no crop. Come on, guys. Without today's rain, there will be no crop tomorrow. If I didn't live what I was living now, I could didn't have what I wanted tomorrow. It's part of the process. Now, okay, now, now let me stop a minute. I'm going to let you guys go home. We have two more services to run today, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to rush you. I'm not trying to push you out of here, but I do got to get you out of here really quick. Watch this. Watch this. Principle number four is step to a higher power. Principle number five is refresh your mentality on waiting. Have a farmer's mentality, right? Now, stop a minute. I'm going to recap this and retell you the whole story in one Bible verse because here's the difference between teaching and preaching. When I teach like I did right now, you jot down notes and you get them. But here's the problem with teaching nowadays. The problem with teaching nowadays, it's not that it's not needed, but the problem with teaching is that I teach you and about 25% of you will miss on it. Why? Because a good teaching without a great application will be missed. Watch this now. I'm going to take you to a Bible story in the book of Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to end this. Luke chapter 6, verse 6. On another Sabbath, okay, there's Jesus and what he did. He went into the synagogue 
and he was teaching. Jesus was there teaching, right? Good atmosphere, Pastor, right? Yes. It's Sabbath, the day of the Lord, the day to rest, the day to search for him, and he's teaching. Follow me, guys. It's really good. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. His right hand had a problem. Now, here's an innocent bystander, okay, in the whole process. This man walks in, and Jesus is in the synagogue. He's teaching on Sabbath. And this man walks in to the synagogue, and he has a messed up right hand. He has a messed up right hand. But he wants to hear Jesus. Now, yes, Jesus is going to heal him, but he doesn't walk in necessarily for the, he- for the healing. There's a crowd in there. Jesus may miss him, but this innocent bystander walks in, and the room is filled. But in the room, there is not just a man that needs fixing. There's not just a shriveled hand man, but there's a crowd in there. Verse number 7 describes who those crowds were. It says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Now, the atmosphere is tense. Jesus is teaching. It's a Sabbath. They don't believe in Jesus. They think Jesus is just a traitor. He's somebody who come in to make it destroyed. He, he's taken over their territory. They feel jealous about what he's doing. It's a Sabbath. They're in the church. And this man walks in. He has a shriveled hand. Now, the man is, has an innocent bystander. He walks in with no purpose just to walk in and listen to Jesus. But little does he know that inside the crowd, there's this group of men that want to attack and cause harm to Jesus. Now, Jesus knows these men want to do harm to them. And so do the disciples disciples are in the room the room's intense it's a tough atmosphere it's a tough worldly situation and in this worldly tough situation they're standing there and they're watching jesus closely to see if he could heal on if he would heal on sabbath because they knew it was wrong tense atmosphere perfect opportunity they're in the room. Jesus is there. Everybody's paying attention. We hate Jesus. We want this guy down. They look over. This man walks in. He's sick and has a shriveled hand. Perfect opportunity. Let's see if he'll heal him. Let's see if we could catch something on him. So, so they look carefully. And the shri- man with the shriveled hand obviously stood out. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand. Now, tough atmosphere for Tough atmosphere <laughs> Why? He says, get up and stand in front of everyone. Pastor, why is this a tough situation? It's not tough. This is Jesus. This is easy for Jesus. Yeah, think about the shriveled man, how he felt. It's Sabbath. You're not supposed to be healed. The teachers of the law are there. They're watching. What do you want? Do you want to be healed or do you want to be accused as a Jesus walker? Do you want this so bad that you'll take it? Or will you stand in the room and ignore it? That's the question. What do you want more? The Pepto-Bismol? What, how much do you desire this? The man walks in, he stands there, tense atmosphere. And, and I have a question for you. Theologically, could, could have Jesus stood there from a distance and said, you are healed. And not spoken a word to anybody, the man healed. What do you think? Go to chapter 7. Go to chapter 7, read it. I'm not going to go there now, but go to chapter 7 in your house. Centurion comes to him and says, hey, he sends somebody. He says, hey, my, I have my servant is sick. And he says, okay. And he says, just with your word. He never made it to the house. Just with the word, you're, my servant will heal. He says, you're you, from a distance. See, Jesus could have said, you're healed. But no, no. Jesus called him out of his comfort zone. Jesus called him out. 
in front of everybody. He says, hmm, these guys are here. They want to do harm to me. This man came in sick. He says, get up and stand in front of everyone. What would you have done? What would you have done? Would you have gotten up? Would you have walked out? Would you have been bold? Would you have dared? This, like, this reminds me of Peter on the boat. Peter, come to me. Walk out upon the waters. Come on. What would you do? Would you have done it? Watch this. The man, so he got up and stood there. Praise Jesus. No healing yet. Pastor, yes. No, no, no. He hasn't healed him yet. The man got up and went to the front of the crowd and stood in front of Jesus with his hands. No healing yet. There's a waiting process. There's a calling out process. And there's a coming near process. He walks in. He needs fixing. And he says, come near me. Comes near. Took the first step. But just because you come near, it doesn't mean that it's going to be done. Now that you came near, there's got to be a waiting process. I'm standing there. My hand shriveled. Everybody's looking at me. It's a tense atmosphere. Jesus is in front of me. My hand shriveled, and I'm there. What's going to happen? What's going to be there? I'm not healed yet. What does Jesus do? Just put, lay hands and heal him at the moment? No, no. Then Jesus said to him, said to them, to the multitude. He starts, he starts teaching now. I ask you. Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save lives or to destroy it? He starts teaching, to the, so, and here's this man with a shriveled hand, you know, and he's standing here, and he's looking out. Everybody's looking at him. He's like, come on, man, get this done, dude. Come on. Come on, what's up? He's standing here, and Jesus has come. Come to me. Come out of your, come upon the water. Come out. Come out of your comfort zone. He comes out, stands here. What is it easier to do? He starts teaching. Here's this man in the season of waiting for the miracle. Somebody here is asking God for something. You have your eyes set on something, and I've come to tell you it's a healing process, and it takes time. There's a season in your life, and two things got to occur. Number one, here's my conclusion. Number one, you need to be able today to respond. Are you listening? You need to be able to respond. You need to get out of your comfort zone where you are right now. You need to get out of that comfort zone and you need to respond and say, yes, Lord, I'll come near you. And then you need to wait for it to happen. He looked around at them, at them all, and then said to the man, I love this, because now he left everybody else. You came, you waited, when you come, and when you wait, this is what happens. Immediately, immediately, he looked around at them all, and then said to the man, he focuses on you, to the called one. He says, stretch out your hand. He says, stretch out your... Now, you got to understand that his hand is shriveled. 
And God is saying, stretch out your hand. But God, my hand is shriveled. How am I going to stretch it out? Your pastor, yeah, he's just saying to pull it out shriveled. No, 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 no. You got to understand that the man has a muscular dystrophy that has his body curled and he can't. I understand this because I have this condition where my fingers get all bent out. And there are mornings that I wake up and my wife has had to straighten out my hands because even if I wanted to, I can't. From my shoulder down, I desire it when I wake up in the morning, but I can't. So I look over to my wife and I say, honey, help me. And she literally has sat in bed and taken each finger and slowly with pain straightened each one out. One thing is to desire it and another thing is to be able to do it. There are many things you desire that you're not able to do. And when you desire it and you cannot do it, you need help. But when you have Jesus in front of you, Jesus called to this man and he said, stretch out your hand and just because Jesus said stretch out your hand the Bible says he did so and his hand was completely restored and healed and the man could praise and worship and do anything he wanted why because Jesus said stretch it out pastor what are you saying you need sometimes my brother and my sister to be able to make it to what you want to do now in your life you need to stretch out your hand pastor I can't yes somebody here needs to stretch out in faith and believe God somebody needs to say God I'm going to believe you in this situation God I know I may have to wait but I'm going to believe you to give me success in my ministry I'm going to believe you to give healing to my son I'm going to believe you to give healing to my daughter I'm going to believe you God to bring my son back to Christ I'm going to believe you Lord for you to work in my marriage I'm going to stretch out my hand even though it seems that it's not there yeah I am going to come near God and I'm going to wait in the rain and I'm going to enjoy the rain knowing that if I stretch out you will be faithful it may look like it went wrong but it really didn't go wrong it was God working behind the scenes so today I've come to tell you my brother and my sister that to fix it you need to stretch out you need to walk upon the waters it's like that song you need to see the storm and hear God calling out and say God I'll walk upon it even if you call me God I will believe you I'll walk in faith on this so I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads and with your eyes closed and your heads bowed Is God speaking to you this morning? Is God speaking to you this morning? Is God speaking to you this morning? How bad do you want it? Do you want to go to that next level? Do you want to fix it? Do you want to see God execute at that next level spiritually? Are you ready? Then you need to go to the ultimate highest power and only great power there is, which is your Lord and Savior. Pastor, I gave my life to him. No, no. Regardless of the atmosphere, you need to be able to walk towards him. You need to trust him and you need to trust the seasons you're in. That's what number four and number five are about. James is writing and saying to you through me right now, my brother, my sister, you need regardless your atmosphere to stretch out your hand. You need to not give excuses. It's not an age thing. It's not a child thing. It's not a sickness thing. It's not. You're here this morning because God knows your heart. God knows you love him. It's about you trusting him and waiting in him and stretching out your hand and believing him. So if God's speaking to you today, if God's speaking to you today, then I want you to be able to say, God, here I am. 
Call me out. Call me out, God. Call me out upon that water. Call me out. Call me out. Call me out. Call me out.